0: Oh, wow look at the nets the nets are winning games the last episode we had i said winning streak ends start another one they start another one and they rest players and they still go get a win Jacques vaughn is such a difference at head coach versus steve nash they're getting it done without their mvp kd is playing at an mvp level but no no we know nobody cares about the nets unless it's some bs Jared says, that game against the Pacers was one of the best ones I've ever seen. Biggest win of the season. Yeah. Well, we're going to get
1: into it. Keith McPherson, Robin Lumberg, Hudson Flynn. Robin, how are you doing? I'm doing well. I, I think um, a great philosopher once said, keep that same energy, right? And, and that's uh, what you're getting at a little bit. Though, to be fair, doing what I do for a living, like I get it to a certain extent because the drama and all that sells, whether it's the the Nets or or somebody else, you know, baker mayfield over the offseason in the nfl you know that kind of stuff does generate clicks and all that but it is kind of funny how quiet it's been because i'm not going to throw the c word around and say the nets are contenders but i'll throw a q word around i think the nets are quality and, and that was a quality win over the pacers like you saw up there on the screen and that's what real teams do you know whether or not they've got their guys they give the the same sense of purpose and sense of direction and for that i credit john Fall.
2: hudson how you doing yeah, I'm doing well. Better that the Nets are, <laughs> believe it or not, 8-2 and two in their last 10. Uh, I think I've said this on the last several episodes, but I'm surprised we're here after the way the season started. Uh, all credit to Jacques Vaughn. I think, Keith, you sent out the tweet from Talking Nets that, that just said, the bubble Nets were back. And, and that was always a fun energy. And I, I've always been a, a fan of the, the eternal underdog. You know, I, I, I'm rooting for Morocco in the World Cup. I always love my Cinderella stories and March Madness. That it, it, it's weird to see a Nets Pacers game in you know 2022 where the Nets are you know probably should be the underdogs and then come out like that. It was just uh, it, it's been fun to watch and the Nets have been a fun basketball team and an unproblematic basketball team uh, to a large extent, which like we've talked about and like we're going to talk about uh, means they means they're out of the headlines, the uh, Kardashians of the NBA as I've seen them be called. Uh, You know, nobody cares about the Kardashians now that, you know, nobody's talking about Kim now that Kanye is doing what what he's doing. Good
0: comparison
2: with Ben Simmons
0: being linked to Kylie Jenner. Um, They only want to talk about Ben Simmons if he's out with a back injury or a knee injury or if he's progressing slowly, right? Like, oh, Ben Simmons, what a joke. They only want to talk about Kyrie and his shoes uh, where – you know, weeks away from, you know, you mentioned Kanye right there. We're weeks away from uh, Kyrie being on the heels of the Kanye stuff, not going backwards. But they only want to talk about Kyrie and New Balance and the tape on his shoes. What else? They only want to talk about KD and his comments about Aaron Judge, right? Oh, <laughs> KD goes on and says he's a Nationals fan and he doesn't care about 99 at all. That made national news and that was a joke. And if anyone was watching the post game like I was, Megan Triplett asked him the question, chewing him up for what? Yankees hot stove, which I also watched right after the postgame. The Yankees and the Nets play on the same station. Yes, Network. That's all TV production. But, uh, you know, KD came out and clarified that that came out too cold. But I just think it's interesting, right? When it's nonsense, Nets talk is up there. It's, It's leading everywhere. Everyone's got something to say. Everyone wants to weigh in on Kyrie. But when they're actually doing what they're paid to do, what we want to watch them do and nothing else, play basketball, play good basketball,
1: no matter who's on the floor, it's not a story. It's not a story. Not, you not know, that important. It's even my uh, my coworkers, right, like who are, are constantly sending me disparaging texts when things are going bad with the Nets or when we're in a, a chat uh, like this one just not broadcast. But when the Nets are doing well, you know, Cricket's there too. Katie's just so deadpan, so I get that. Like people took it as an insult, but that's just... <laughs> Kind of how he delivers things. And Kyrie, you know, Kyrie's playing hard, playing good defense, happy with Kyrie. But he didn't exactly make a statement with his shoot thing either. Like, oh, I'm finally free for my millions of dollar deal that I had with with Nike and the logo you can still see. But here's the thing, guys. You look at the stats. And beyond eight and two in the last 10, uh, ten games, as, as Hudson said, all of the, the numbers are starting to point in the direction of the Nets being a real team. I think they're top five. In both half court offense and half court defense on the season. They are now a legitimately good defensive team. Uh, We saw a stat last week, I think, that they have the the best five man lineup defensively in the entire NBA of guys at least 100. Stat
0: Muse. I meant to throw that in the notes. Keep going. I'll throw it in there and Alex can add the uh, screenshot. I put a bunch of Stat Muse screenshots in the notes.
1: Again, I I credit Jacques Vaughn for that. I credit the players for that. Um, You know, the rotation is starting to get figured out, The, the team is starting to get healthy. To me, the two biggest weaknesses are turnovers and second chance opportunities. Because when you look at the basic things, offense and defense, the Nets are excellent. The problem is they don't always complete their defensive possessions because the other team gets a rebound and puts it back up. And they turn the ball over too much, especially when they have like an opportunity to score and it goes the other way. So that leads to the other team getting more shots, having more field goal attempts throughout the game. If they can cut down on those two things, if they can shore up the offensive or the defensive glass, and they can shore up their their turnover issues, then I I do think you have to start looking at them as one of the three, four, five best teams in the NBA, as right now they are clearly, I I would have them third in the East, I mean, behind Boston and Milwaukee right there with Cleveland.
0: When you look at the standings, I I know it's it's too early to call, we haven't even gotten to December or uh, to Christmas, we're only in December. But like, there's not too many teams that you don't know about. Like, you know what the Sixers are. You know, you know what the Bucs are. You know what the Celtics are. You know who their stars are. You know their style of play. Um, you kind of know how the Mets match the Mets. The Nets match up against them. But here we are with the Nets team that, when they were losing, when they were under 500, they had all of this attention. Now they're stringing together wins. They're 16 and 12. They're currently in fourth place, and it's like, hmm, let's see how long this continues. Another win streak, like I already mentioned. They're 8-2 and two in their last 10, winning the last three in a row. And now they have a game coming up tonight, and then they don't play until Friday. So, you know, when you think about what Jacques Vaughn and the Nets just did, they made it so that guys can be fresh. And they're not, like, they're going to break the rest of this week and not have to play till Friday, and the last game that they played – the top seven scorers had off. So let's get into it. Last episode we recorded right before the Hornets game. I'm not going to take you that far back. I know it's hard to even think about the game before the last one. But 7-11 combined for 62 points. It was a good start. It wasn't a great finish. As you guys remember, the Hornets kept with the Nets. And they barely won this game uh, by six points, 122 to 116. But whatever. win ugly. We'll take that win. And like the Hornets, we know the Hornets are not a, a good team. They're not a competitive team. Whatever. A win is a win. And it was part of going uh, six and one on this homestand, this seven game homestand that the Nets had. So then moving on from that game, right? It's a win. It's a win. It's a win. No one's going to remember, oh, well, you know, you gave it back to them in the fourth quarter. They still lost. Then you're facing a Hawks team who had gotten beat by the Knicks in New York a couple days prior. So they were more more motivated, right? You got Trey Young on the floor with King of Broadway on his shoes. In my opinion, he embarrassed himself going out there like that, thinking that he owns Madison Square Garden, whatever. They came out with more energy when it was time to face the Nets. The Nets could have lost that game to the Hawks. They didn't lose. It's another win, stacking wins. And then you get to Saturday night where i refer to this as the bubble nets but we've seen so many iterations on this and i'll pass the mic and i'll try and add anything you guys don't add when everybody hears that the nets are sitting their top seven guys top eight guys i think uh if you add tj warren into that everyone's thinking it's a punt game kd and royce o'neill are leading the league in minutes It was needed to get some type of rest, some type of game off, some type of load management. But the way that the Nets did it, choosing to sit that many guys, calling up G League young guys. The first thing I thought was, okay, there was a stretch of time where the Nets had to go through this last year. Right. Whether it was Katie and the kids or Katie goes out and now you're relying on Kessler Edwards, Dayron Sharp, Cam Thomas, David Duke Jr. You're relying on rookies last year. These guys had already gone through that. And they're better versions of themselves this year. But I immediately thought Steve Nash did not take that opportunity last year as a time to shine as a coach. The Nets had an 11-game losing streak. Um, Yeah, KD was able to beat the Sixers with all rookies around him for the most part. But when you are sitting your star players, it is time to see the coach strategize, plan, and prepare a game plan, and then go out there and execute. And that's what they did. Jacques Vaughn took these guys against the Pacers in Indiana on the road. And (laughs) it didn't matter. So Alex just put up there the Nets were without without eight players. Nick Claxton, Seth Curry, Kevin Durant, Joe Harris, Kyrie Irving, Royce O'Neal, Ben Simmons, TJ Warren. It didn't matter. They called up. Dayron, they called up Kessler, and these guys have been playing in the G League. There's just not that much room for them. Patty Mills is another guy that was getting DNPs. And we were all kind of talking about Patty, like, well, why did they re sign him? He's a veteran. What are they trying to do with him? Can't really trade him anywhere. That was a game where you could use him, and he, and he was a great leader there. Markeith Morris, another guy that's like a, a veteran, a depth piece. But not really moving the needle for anyone. Like I don't think anyone is looking at Marquise Morris as like, uh, you know, anything besides a glue guy, a role player. He steps up in that game. I think in, in the notes I wrote that he had uh, 15 points, season high, 10 rebounds, season high. It was his first triple double or his first double double of the season. His first double double since April 17, 2021, with the Lakers. So he stepped up. Tell me what you guys were thinking Saturday. Saturday I was at dinner with my wife. I had. Reservation.